welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Easter Sunday, April 1st, 2018, on the basis of Job 19, verses 23 through 27. Have you ever met anyone that you would describe as entitled? I want you to try to picture with me someone this morning, someone who is incredibly wealthy. We're talking a net worth of not millions, not even billions, but tens of billions of dollars. And not only that, but someone who earned all of that incredible wealth even before they blew out the candles on, say, their 35th birthday. So incredibly rich, incredibly young. Do you think that maybe there's a chance such a person might have a tendency to be a little bit entitled? Turns out that's exactly what is happening with a a very small group of people out in Silicon Valley, California. Small group of young tech billionaires. People who founded companies like Google and PayPal and Facebook. This group of people that for the last several years has really been throwing their money around. We're talking hundreds of millions of dollars that they have donated to cutting-edge biomedical research, looking into things like stem cells and genetic engineering and neuroscience and all of that. Why? Well, also that someone might be able to figure out how to slow down the process of aging. Maybe even stop it altogether. It seems as if this small group of tech billionaires has become entitled to the idea that they are going to live forever. Now, as you can imagine, not everybody is thrilled about this. In fact, Bill Gates, who is sort of the godfather of the young tech billionaire and who himself is quite the philanthropist, he thinks it's a little bit self-centered that this small group of people has become obsessed with living forever when there are still hundreds, maybe thousands of people in parts of the world who are dying from malaria and suffering from malnutrition. Those are the causes that he supports with his vast amounts of money. But to me, here's the real interesting thing about all of this. Here you have a a group of people who could literally live every single day of the rest of their life exactly how they wanted. If their life's motto was, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, they could do that bigger and better than just about anybody else. And yet still, they're not satisfied with that. There's something inside of them that still wants more than that. They feel entitled to live forever. And guess what? They're right. I know that's not what we tell ourselves. I know that's not the message you see in Disney movies or on daytime talk shows. I know that's not what our bodies tell us. Right? All of them tell us that death is just inevitable. Death is going to happen. Death is natural. In fact, maybe death is is even sort of this necessary good that's all part of this big, beautiful circle of life. That's the message we so often hear. And yet, whether we are a billionaire or not, there's a little voice inside of us that is constantly speaking up and saying, hogwash. We know better. We know that we were made for more. 
And so whether or not we have hundreds of millions of dollars to throw at the cause, really in, in a lot of ways, each one of us is on a mission similar to this group of tech billionaires. Each one of us is looking to find out, is, is there anything that I can do? Is there anything I can have? Is there anything I can accomplish that death will not take away from me? Is there anything that lasts forever? This man that we meet in the Bible named Job, he was on just such a mission. See, Job had gotten caught up in kind of a back-and-forth disagreement with a group of three of his friends. And I, I use air quotes because at the moment these friends weren't acting very much like friends. If you know anything about Job, you know that he himself was a pretty wealthy man. I don't know if he made the billionaire club, but he was doing all right. Until one day he kind of lost everything. Lost all of his wealth, lost all of his employees, even all ten of his children were tragically killed, and very shortly after that, he lost his health. And so then these three friends showed up, and they said, Job, well, you better fess up. I mean, if God is treating you this way, then you must have done something to deserve this. And Job's response was, no, I didn't. And they said, yes, you did. And Job said, no, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Back and forth it went chapter after chapter in the book of Job, until finally, at the end of his rope, utterly frustrated, Job just calls out, full of emotion, with these words. He says, Oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in rock forever. Job wanted his Words, his defense of his good name to last far longer than this back and forth with discussion with his three friends ever would. In fact, he wanted his words to last forever. And so he thought of the most permanent, the most solid thing that he could think of. Maybe that would do it. Do you think I would have done it? Job's words probably were at some point written down on a scroll. That's why we have them still to this day. But we don't have that scroll. It's long gone. If Job's, if Job's words had been written down on a rock engraved with, with an iron tool, and even if we still had that rock in our possession, do you think we could still read those words? Or would centuries of erosion have wiped them away completely? We're even going to find out in just a second that, yes, Job was looking for something that would last forever, but he even seemed to realize that even what he considered to be most solid and most permanent, it would not last. You know, the defense of a reputation, the case for maintaining a good name, is not the only reason why someone might look for something that lasts forever. We look for all kinds of things that last forever. We're devastated at the thought that whatever we pour our entire life's work into, it will one day all be gone. It crushes us that one day, if the earth endures long enough, no one will even remember that we ever existed. The thought that each and every moment that puts a smile on our face or fills our heart with laughter, those moments that, that come and go and come and go and come and go, the thought that one day all of those moments will go and, and never come back, it, it's about the most depressing thing in all the world. 
The thought that we could love someone dearly, carve out a little place in our heart, save just for them, and then suddenly, unexpectedly even, it's empty, it's vacated. We lose them. That thought kills us. We too are looking for something that lasts forever. We too sense that even a lifetime is not enough to satisfy the desires of our heart. We want something more. We want something that truly lasts forever. Do you think we can find it? Things have come a long way from the time when people wrote things on scrolls or engraved things in rock with iron tools. Technology has advanced a little bit since then. We have the internet, right? The internet is forever. We hear that all the time. In fact, it was kind of interesting in the sermon that I preached this morning, I, ha- I had to look up a tweet that I remembered, a, a tweet from someone that I wanted to find and, and use in this morning's sermon. I thought it was from Easter Sunday a year ago. It was actually from Easter Sunday two years ago. Think about all the information that's been uploaded to the internet in the last two years. And sure enough, there it was. I found it. Internet lasts forever. There's probably a lesson in that, and yet it, it's probably not true, Right? So don't worry, that embarrassing picture that some friend uploaded on Facebook, the the server where that picture is stored, one day it'll probably be buried underneath a pile of rubble. At the same time, that list of all of your accomplishments on your LinkedIn profile, yeah, that server is going to be buried someday too. The internet's not going to do it. Oh, but we've got these, these tech billionaires who are investing hundreds of millions of dollars to making sure that we can last forever. Do you know what that money's being used for right now? Some of it's being used in genetic research. If we can just figure out our DNA, if we can just crack the code and repair the code that tells our bodies exactly what to do, then maybe we can live forever. Actually, most people who are studying genetics are are trying to extend health. They're trying to extend life, but they don't actually believe that they can extend life indefinitely. No, the true immortalists, the people who, who are really on a quest to see if we can escape death altogether. Do you know what they're doing? They're trying to figure out a way where all of the information that is in your head right now can be uploaded to the cloud so that someday in the future, that very same information can be downloaded into some robot, some machine, some avatar that you can essentially operate. And that's how you can live forever. Now, even if hypothetically that's possible at some point, I think you'd have a hard time arguing that that's you anymore. Of course, in all of this, one important fact is being ignored. The fact that the real cause of death is not cancer, it's not Alzheimer's, it's not even the natural law of entropy, it's sin. Sin is what drives a wedge between us and our God, the God who gave us our life in the first place and the only person who can sustain it. Trying to solve the problem of death without dealing with sin is like giving your car a nice wash and wax and expecting the fuel mileage to go up. It's ignoring the real problem. Sin is the reason why all the money in the world that we throw at this problem still won't do it. Sin is the reason why, left to ourselves, nothing is going to last forever. Like I said before, it it seems that Job was aware of that. Even after he expressed or or entertained the possibility that if he could just write down his words in a piece of solid rock, then maybe they'd last forever. 
he goes on to express where his confidence is really to be found, and he says this, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. Where was Job's confidence to be found? He knew that he had a redeemer. Better translated, we'd say he had an advocate, a representative, someone whose job it was to plead his case and render the final verdict about Job. And he knew, Job knew, that in the end, after everything else had faded away, that Redeemer would stand upon the earth alive. Job also knew that long after his flesh had been destroyed, he would stand and see that Redeemer face to face. Not just through the eyes of faith, as we sometimes say, not in some mystical, spiritual experience, but with his real eyeballs, face to face, flesh to flesh. Where did Job put his confidence in something that would last forever? Not in scroll or stylus, not in rock or iron, in flesh, skin, this soft, squishy stuff that we can scrape up off of our bodies if we want to, that we're constantly shedding and that actually replaces itself every three weeks. Did you realize that? What is going to last forever? Flesh. That which sometimes seems the the most solid, it's not going to last forever, but that which seems most soft, it will. Friends, this is the unique Christian claim that answers our most pressing question that satisfies that sense that we have that we are entitled to live forever. Friends, the Christian message is not that we should spend our lives spreading peace and harmony on earth and that that peace and harmony will last far longer than we're around. No, that's not it. The Christian message is not that when we die, our spirits are going to flutter off into some nebulous, better place and that's where they'll spend eternity. Nope, that's not it either. No, the Christian answer to this problem is that God's own Son came down to this earth, took on flesh and blood just like we have, lived perfectly in our place, took on our guilt, paid our penalty on the cross, and himself was put into a tomb of stone, something far more solid than the wooden box six feet under that one day we'll rest in. But then it's that that very same Son on the third day kicked down the door of the grave broke its iron grip and rendered it powerless forever. The Christian answer to the sense that we are entitled to live forever is a resurrection, flesh that lasts forever. The Christian claim is to look death boldly in the face and defiantly say, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Now, did that really happen? We don't have enough time to talk about that today, but I will say this. If you're not sure, if you're not really sure 
whether Jesus rose from the dead, or, or maybe you're pretty sure that he didn't, you owe it to yourself to find out for sure. And rest assured, you can find out for sure. No other claim in all of history invites investigation, scrutiny, and analysis quite like this one. You need to find out for sure. Because not only is it the case that if, if this didn't happen, there isn't a, a better answer to our sense that we ought to live forever. If this isn't the answer, there is no answer. If this isn't the answer, then the only thing we have left is the awful task of getting good and comfortable with the last thing that in the world that we want to be true. That nothing lasts forever. But if this is the answer... There are no end. There is no end to the implications. You can sense that in Job's voice as he wraps up this section. The section concludes on just as high of an emotional level as it began. Job realizes that his desire for something that lasts forever is satisfied in flesh that lasts forever. And he says, how my heart yearns within me. Friends, if this is the answer, there is no end to the implications. And what's really interesting is that it, it seems at least that one of these tech billionaires gets that. I don't know if you're familiar with the name Peter Thiel. He is the founder of PayPal, did pretty well with, with that one. Uh, and then he made a lot of additional money by being a, a venture capitalist, investing in other tech startups like, like Facebook. Now, Peter Thiel seems to be one of these guys who is looking for something that lasts forever in all the wrong places. I'd be kind of surprised if he's sitting somewhere this morning in church celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. But it does seem as though Peter Thiel gets the implications of being able to find something that's forever. He once said, people often tell you to live every day as if it's your last. But he said, instead, I live every day as if I'm going to live forever. That's the reality of our situation, isn't it? Flesh that lasts forever. What if we lived that way? Whatever false accusations, whatever gossip, whatever rumors our, our friends might be bringing at us, it just wouldn't bother us one bit. Why? Because we too have an advocate that we will spend face to face in all eternity with, who right now, as we speak, loves nothing more than to stand before God in heaven singing our praises. Whatever we set our hearts and our hands to in this life, it wouldn't have to bear the weight of defining us, of determining our identity and our legacy. Why? Because 70 or 80 years is just a drop against the ocean of eternity. Whatever joy, whatever laughter that, that comes and goes and comes and goes and comes and goes so quickly in this life, it would not make us sad because we know that one day there is a moment of pure, unbridled joy that is going to come and never go away. And finally, that hole in our heart, that hole from having loved and lost, it wouldn't need to be filled. That spot wouldn't need to be replaced by someone else because we would know that the very same arms that held that person so close in this life will one day hold them again. Can you begin to sense the endless implications 
if flesh lasts forever. Can you begin to sense what Job sensed and feel what Job felt? Go with it. Don't be afraid to let your heart yearn within you. This is the answer to the deepest longings of your heart. You are not mistaken when you sense that you are entitled to live forever. You are. And because of Christ's resurrection, you will. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.